0: In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, you know that song we sing at Christmas? We can sing it kind of right now. It's the least wonderful time of the year. It's, uh, it's tax season, right? All the uh, CPAs in the room are probably not here. Are there any CPAs here? There's like one or two because um, this is probably the least wonderful time of year for them too. Definitely the busiest. The um, anxiety level kind of spiked in here because I haven't done my taxes yet. Anybody else not done their taxes yet? Okay, I'm not alone. Yay. Whew, I was like, man, I'm way behind this year. Um, my three and a half year old girls have just recently been introduced to the concept of taxes whether they realize it or not because they've been watching the 1973 masterpiece robin hood disney anybody else um we're going to show a really short clip take you back if you've seen it before
1: doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo. Well looky there <laughs> Friar Tuck the old do-gooder he's out doing good again Well good morning Friar Tuck she's for you Otto from Robin Hood <laughs> Oh God bless Robin Hood Do 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 do, 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 do. It's the sheriff. Hurry, hide it, quick. Here I come, ready or not. Well, greetings from your friendly neighborhood tax collector. (laughs) Uh Oh, take it easy on me, sheriff. What what, what, with this busted leg and all, you know, I'm way behind in my work, sheriff. I know, Otto, but you're way behind with your taxes, too. Oh, have a heart, sheriff. Can't you see he's laid up? Come on, Otto. You'd better sit down and rest. Oh, thank yeah, you. Yeah. Let me give you a hand with that leg. A daisy bingo. Oh, what they won't think of next. It smarts, don't it, Otto? But Prince John says that taxes should hurt. Now see here, you you evil flint heart. Now, 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 save your sermon, preacher. It ain't Sunday, you know. They call me a slob, but I do my job.
0: I wonder if uh, the writers ever thought that their clip would be used on a Sunday in a sermon. Um... <laughs> So uh, for the better part of a year, we've been moving through the Gospel of Mark, and we've been asking every week, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it look like? And today, what is the way of Jesus as it relates to taxation and government? You know, Jesus talked about those kinds of things, and so it's good for us to talk about it too. And before I share the outline, uh, I want to just give a brief caveat, because uh, we're talking about politics in church, which, you know, some of you are like, man, I wish I didn't come today. Um But, you know, Jesus talked about this, and so it's important for us to do the same when it calls for it. Um, But I want to give this caveat. So Rich Viotis, uh, a pastor in New York City, every time he preaches about something related to politics that Jesus taught on or Paul, uh, he always says this, and I want to share this uh, with you today. So whoever you voted for last year, when when was that? Two years ago. um, Whoever you voted for Trump or Biden or Robin Hood or nobody at all, uh, you know that you belong here. You belong here. But we only ask that you see uh, your politics through the lens of Jesus rather than seeing Jesus through the lens of your politics. So can we do that today? Let's try that. Let's try that. So with those three, um, with that said, I I just want to give you three things that we're going to learn that Jesus teaches us uh, from Mark chapter 12. So the trap he avoided, the answer that he gave, and then the ways that we follow. The trap, the answer, and then how we follow. So with that said, let's, let's stand for the reading of God's word, if you're able, from Mark 12. Our
1: central text for today is found in Mark 12. And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came to him, and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true, and do not care about anyone's opinion. For you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar, or not? Should we pay them, or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius, and let me look at it. And they brought him one. And he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, Renders to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thanks be to God. Thanks, Grant, if you're here for reading that. All right, so first, the trap that he avoided. Verse 13 again, they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. So this happens a lot in Mark's gospel. The Pharisees try to get him to say something that would be a trap for him. Um, But it's important as we're reading the scriptures to place it in its cultural context. We understand it much better. And and then we can actually apply it to our own lives. Uh, The Jewish people, remember, were occupied by the Romans. Romans. So imagine, you know, we were occupied by a different country. It's, they're, they're being occupied by a superpower of the day, by Rome. And the Herodians were supporters of the Roman occupation at that time. Whereas the, the um, Pharisees were vehemently opposed to it. Okay? So you have these two very opposite political parties coming together in their hatred, their shared hatred, for Jesus, so it was like this awkward friendship, you know, but hey, they shared an enemy in Jesus, and they banded together to lay a trap for him, and this word trap is used only here in the New Testament. It means to, to try to catch someone in their words, right, to, to catch them uh, in what he might say about taxation, and so what's the big deal about this tax? Um, Pastor Tim Keller uh, helped me to understand that Jesus is not being asked about taxes in general. So, if there's anybody in the IRS here today, uh, sorry, uh, we're going to talk about a specific tax, and then we'll apply it to our day later on. But this was a specific tax in their day called the head tax, the head tax, which was a denarius per year. So, a denarius was what uh, someone would earn uh, about an average day's labor. You would so everyone under occupation of Rome would pay one denarius per year. It's the head tax. But the interesting thing about this, and the reason why it was so sort of controversial, was that according to Exodus 30, God had commanded the Jewish people to devote a temple tax to God for about the same amount. But what the Romans did is they took that offering as a tribute for their own pockets. And when it was put into place about 25 years before this episode in Mark 12... There was an insurrection. Uh, and it was an armed revolt against the Roman government, led by a man named Judas the Galilean. And here's where it gets really interesting. Uh, first, Judas called on all Jews to refuse to pay the tax, this head tax. And secondly, with an armed band, he went and cleansed the temple. And this, so when he cleansed the temple, he threw out all foreigners. And he threw out all the Romans as well. And thirdly, Judas announced that God would be their king and he would usher in the kingdom of God. But you may know that this uh, revolt was crushed by the Romans and he was later uh, arrested and eventually executed for revolting against Rome. So fast forward 25 years later, uh, Jesus has built his entire teaching and preaching career on talking about the kingdom of God. And then last week we heard Patrick talk about how Jesus had cleansed the temple. And then now they're trying to trap him in his words so that what happened to Judas the Galilean would happen to Jesus the Galilean. That they would arrest him and get rid of him altogether. So, In other words, underneath this question, what do you think about the tax? Should we pay him or not? Is really the question, are you a revolutionary too? Jesus, are you a revolutionary? You cleansed the temple. You called for the kingdom of God. Are you just like the others? In essence, the trap had two prongs. So if he said, no, don't pay the tax, Uh, He'd be crushed by the Roman authorities for insurrection, for insubordination. But if he said, yes, do pay it, uh, those that had heard him announcing the kingdom of God would know that it was all fake news. So he would lose either way. Jesus was in quite the pickle. And then they say all this, they kind of butter them up, right? Teacher, we know that you're true and you don't care about anyone's opinions. You're not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Pick a side. Pick a side. Uh, I went to college in Kentucky. Anybody been to Kentucky? Anybody been to a horse race in Kentucky? A few of us. I got to go to a couple. Um, What was so awesome was to see you know these massive beasts, right? They're just amazing animals, being ridden by these usually pretty tiny people. Um, here's a picture of Julie Crone. She was four feet ten and a half inches. I, I learned this. Uh, she was the first American female jockey to win a Triple Crown race back in the '90s. You know they're so skilled, um, even as small-ish people, um, at jockeying these massive animals where they want to go. And John Calvin commented that the religious leaders here, the Herodians, the Pharisees, are trying to jockey Jesus. They're trying to coerce him, manipulate him to pick a side. All they wanted to hear from Jesus was a simple yes or no. Republican or Democrat? Which one are you? And this, this is the trap this is a trap for Christ followers today as well. Republican or Democrat, libertarian, third party, partisan politics, why is it a trap? Because it offers us an illusion of what only the kingdom of God can bring. It says, vote for me and I'll bring all the liberty, the justice, the love of neighbor that you hope for. Just vote for me if we're really honest, can they ever truly deliver on their promises? And what Jesus, the reason why he didn't have to choose yes or no is because he knew that only he could usher it in. Perfect justice, perfect love, perfect harmony, love of neighbor that we all want, that we all need. This is why we shouldn't choose a side either. This is why we shouldn't be partisan either. Because only the kingdom of God can deliver on those promises. So instead of being jockeyed to choose a side, yes or no, pay up or don't pay, he, his answer left them marveling. So let's look at that now the answer that he gave. The first part of his answer is in the beginning of verse 15. But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? We'll stop there for a second. So Jesus knows their hypocrisy, right? They're saying one thing about his teaching. Wow, you're amazing, Jesus. You you're certainly are a prophet of some kind of a, an amazing teacher. But with their, with their actions, they're doing something else entirely. And he, he smells that from a mile away. While they had con, sort of concealed their true malice, Jesus knew their hearts. But look, notice how he doesn't dismiss them out of hand. He doesn't say, I don't need to deal with you do you know who I really am? No, he answers them, but in a way they weren't expecting. Let's look at his answer. Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And they brought him one. And he said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. So I have a picture of a denarius that I found online as well. This Roman silver coin. It bore the bust of Tiberius Caesar, um, AD 14 to 37, okay? And with it was a Latin inscription that said this, Tiberius Caesar Augustus, son of divine Augustus. And then on the reverse side, it's kind of hard to see, um, but it bore an image of Tiberius' mother, Livius. And here's what the inscription said. High priest. So son of God and high priest, same coin. And it was owed to Rome. It should have been the temple tax, but it was given to Rome instead. This is why there was uproar. This is why there was division. But Jesus... He says to give back to Caesar the things that bear his likeness. But the things that bear the likeness of God give back to him. So Jesus uses the same word uh, that is used in Genesis chapter 1 in verse 26 where God made all things, all humanity in his likeness, in his image. Jesus uses that same word That's found in the first book of the Bible. And what is he saying? Essentially, if coins bear Caesar's image, then they belong to him. You know, they were minted in his house. So they belong to him, Jesus says. But humanity, which bears God's image, God's likeness, they belong to him. And so give him back his due. So the government deserves some. This is what Jesus is saying. The government deserves some. But God deserves our all. Our all. One theologian summarized it this way. Whatever civil obligations Jesus' followers might have, they must be understood within the context of their responsibilities to God. For their duty to God claims their whole selves. So we, we have civil obligations. We do. And those are good. We need to fulfill them. But God claims our all because we're made in his image. Uh, the OG Pixar movie, what was it? The original. What was the first one? You guys know? What was it? Toy Story, 1995. Do you remember what was on the bottom of Woody and Buzz's boot? What was it? Andy. Andy. I noticed this when I was looking up. So Andy learned how to write his ends the right way when he got to Buzz. Look at that. I love that little, just a little detail. So, you know, the whole story of at least the first movie um, is really a story about identity. You know, Woody and Buzz are trying to figure out what it means to belong to this person named Andy. And they doubt it, right, all the time, but they would have to look at their foot to tell them who they really are, to give them their identity. And so what is Jesus reminding us of? That on every one of us is stamped the image of God, the name of God. You can't wipe it off. You can't rub it off. And listen in. Some of you have been treated horrifically. That you might think that God's image in your life has been wiped away. Others of you have acted like a beast towards other fellow image bearers. And you might think... You're just a beast. It's so easy for us to try to not only forget whose we really are, who we belong to, but it's today, how many times a day are you offered alternate identities, alternate ways to fashion who you want to be? and construct an entire narrative, an entire identity around this. And here's the thing. Here's the rub. When you don't know who you are and where you fit in, it leads us to forge an identity based on who you are not, which in turn leads to exclusion, division, and hostility. And at risk of... uh, maybe an oversimplification. I think that identity amnesia, forgetting who we are, is really at the core of this Russian invasion anyway. It's really at the core of social discord that we see in our own country and maybe that you experience in your own home, experience in your own heart. We forget that we bear the God's likeness And when we do, we try to fashion the world in our own likeness. Russia saying, Ukraine, you can't be who you are. You have to be who I say you are. And look at what's gone on. Look how many thousands of people have lost their lives because of this identity amnesia. Not really believing that every person bears the image of God. But instead, I want them to bear my image. And what I say goes, therefore, lives are snuffed out. This is at the core of this conflict. So what would happen to our world if we really, truly believed that every person bears the stamp of God? What would happen in your schools? What would happen in your friend group if you treated that person that annoys you, that person that gets under your skin, Like they're the precious image bearer of God. Maybe you disagree with them, but I would imagine that you would treat them with dignity and respect instead of shunning them or trying to edit them out of your friendship, edit them out of your life and your story. What would our church be like, our homes, our marriages, if we didn't try to fashion the other in our image, but we ask God to help us to foster in them the image of Christ, What would happen in our homes if we had that attitude? So do you want to know the major difference between Jesus and every other king and every other revolutionary and every other leader in history? It's what he did with his divine image that sets him apart. It's what he did with the image of God stamped on him that sets him apart. Hebrews 1 says this, He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So the true son of God, the one who had the exact imprint of God's nature, he didn't hoard his power. He gave it away. He used it to serve. He used it to love. And this person allowed himself to be ensnared not long after this episode. Why? Why would he allow himself to be ensnared so that he could be executed? Why would he allow himself to be executed so that we could live, so that we could be free, to show each other the dignity that God has created us all with. He became our high priest, the true high priest. He made purification for sins for us, so that we could know God, so that we could love Him and love each other as we should. But you know what else He did? When we give our full allegiance to Christ by faith, when we turn from counter-narratives and counter-Messiahs, you know what he does? He writes our name somewhere. Revelation 3. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never, this is Jesus speaking, I will never blot his name Out of the book of life, I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Are we listening? Are we letting this high priest, this true high priest, this true Son of God, and what he says about us, but not just what he says, what he has done with our names? Are we letting that inform the way we live? Because to the degree that we let him and his likeness stamped on us by grace, to that degree that we let that inform the way we live, that we heed our calling, yes, as citizens of this country, to be dual citizens, following and fulfilling our civic duty by giving Um, what we need to give but ultimately giving our full allegiance to Christ as living sacrifices to to him to the degree that we understand that we bear his inscription to that degree where we live out our dual citizenship as members of this country citizens of another country another world I want to um, just name four specific ways that we can try to follow him in this area of our life. There's so many areas that we follow him, but in this particular one, I thought of just four simple ones. But before I name them, I want to just remind you that our habits cannot change God's inscription on our lives. Remember he says, no one, nothing can blot that out. It's indelible. Okay? So our habits can't change his inscription on our lives. Amen? But his inscription, that he, our names are written in the book of life. When we place our faith in Jesus, that should change our habits. That should change the way we deal with each other. That should change the way we talk to political opposites. That should change the way we type on social media and engage in different issues of the day. Amen? So so let me just name just a few ways that we follow. Four habits of grace to follow Jesus in our politics. First, avoid the partisan trap. Avoid the partisan trap. We center Christ and we de-center a party, a platform, a leader. We do. No, why? Because no party or leader can truly bring the kingdom of God. There's only one, and he died for you, and he rose for you, and he ascended for you, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father right now, and he's going to return for you, but not yet. And so we decenter a party and we center Jesus. This is the trap we must avoid, because we know exactly who we belong to. We don't have to belong to a party. Yes, we should vote, but we don't have to b- belong to a party because we belong to another. And his name is Jesus. Second, I told you, I'm going to fly through these. Uh, we bear his inscription with civility. We bear his image, his inscription, with civility. Look, there's disagreements that come up. What do we do with some of these issues? social justice? What do we do with that? How do we think critically and biblically about that? How do we think about being pro-life? Biblically, theologically. How do we think about the environment? Biblically, theologically. There are so many more issues than that, but those are some of the big ones that we need to engage in dialogue with each other, but how do we do it civilly? So we make sure that we don't have a crusading win it all costs attitude. That's one way. That's not the way of Jesus. Instead, we, we should act with empathy towards other people. Let me hear it from your perspective. Let me try to really think about why you might disagree with me. Instead of casting stones, what if we move closer to each other instead of further away? We, how, how can we close the distance between us and those with whom we disagree? So we should be curious people, keen to enter their experience and the world of others, the story of others, rather than, rather than editing them out. See, when we, when we try to fashion the world in our image, we edit people out of our story if we, don't, if we don't agree with them. But Jesus closes distance between people, and we should do the same. So we bear his inscription with civility. Thirdly, change the inputs if you want to change the system. Okay, so if some of you are saying, If some of you are thinking about this and you're like, this is just hitting all sorts of buttons, perhaps, perhaps, you're consuming a lot of us versus them media. Just this week I got an article from someone who I dearly love. Someone who's been following Jesus a whole lot longer than me. But the article was from this very clearly us versus them uh, news outlet. And, you know, I, we started with that drumline video, right? Lent is a great time to get in step with Jesus. So why don't you, let's try to use this season to say, maybe I'm out of step with him, I'm, I'm intaking, I'm input, too much input of us versus them, too little of closing the distance between people and loving people. And so in Lent, what if we try to change just one input? Maybe it's less CNN. or less Fox News, and maybe it's more scripture. So we can try this. We can try for this six weeks or so, um, perhaps to check the news less and to read the scriptures more and see what God does. See what God does in bringing us closer to one another. And then finally, um, we're called to join the church Got some background music here. This is good. (laughs) Um, It's like at the uh, Academy Awards when it's like my time's almost done. I promise. These are my last remarks. I promise. This is good. All right. So uh, finally, finally, join the church. Join the church. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, was one. of just a few German theologians in the 30s and 40s that chose to criticize the Third Reich of Hitler. And by 1930, many many Christians in Germany had embraced Hitler's anti-Semitism and their ideology that led to editing out anyone not in their image. And he was critical, he was one of the few And he wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship, you may have heard of, and it was to challenge the status quo in his day, and instead to teach Christians to uh, embrace the teaching of Jesus found in the Gospels. And providentially, God always does this when when I'm studying for a sermon. I hadn't thought about this book in, I don't know how long, and I saw it on the shelf, and I just picked it up, and I flipped, and I found uh, Matthew 22, which is the, the parallel of Mark 12, where Jesus says, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And just after he quotes this passage, he says this. And I want, I'm going to put it up on the screen and I want to sort of let this be a challenge and, a, and hopefully an encouragement to us as his people in this day and age with so much going on in our world. And not just across the ocean but here, and in our homes, and in our church. But let this be a call, a clarion call for us all. He says this, Let him live under authority as a doer of good. This is the Christian person. Let him live in the world as a member of the body of Christ, the new humanity, and let him do it without reserve. The church of Christ has a different form from the world. Her task is increasingly to realize this form. It is the form of Christ himself. But who, notwithstanding, did not fashion himself in accordance with it, the world, but was rejected by it and was cast out by it he was not of this world in the right confrontation with the world the church will become ever more like the form of its suffering lord that's what we want that's who we want to be and we want you to join us we actually don't just want you we need you to join us to become more like our suffering lord the world is looking less and less like this And we are so easily swayed and enticed by the way of the world. Are we not? I am. But we are in this together. Christ has called us to represent him in the world. This other form, this form that says suffering for the sake of others is our calling. Loving people till it hurts. Loving people, in Bonhoeffer's case, until he's dead. For the sake of others. Because that's what Christ did. But we know, we follow not just a suffering Lord, but a resurrected Lord. He gives us hope in the midst of hopelessness. He gives us life in the midst of so much death. He gives us peace in the midst of so much chaos. If you feel chaos today, if you feel chaos not just out there, but in here, turn to Jesus. If, you've, if you look at the church and you say, there's so much work to be done, good. You're right. We need your help. Please join us. Remember, Christ is our head. He is leading us. He is making us a new humanity. There's hope. Friends, there's hope. And his name is Jesus. There's a new form. And his spirit's at work to bring that about. And so do know how indispensable. Paul says, every member of the body is indispensable. You may feel like a pinky, but when your pinky hurts, that's all you can think about. And so if you're hurting today, let us know. If you're off kilter spiritually, emotionally, relationally, let us know. Don't bear this burden alone but you are indispensable to what we're doing and being this alternate form of this alternate way of life that Jesus inaugurated in his kingdom. So we need you, we want you, so please join us in what he's doing. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, we uh, thank you for this word. And that we're called to do our, our our duty with grace, with humility, to be good citizens of this country and yet we owe our ultimate allegiance to you, Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that we would model that, that people would look at us and scratch their heads because we're We're engaging with our fellow neighbors, but we're doing it with humility. We're doing it with civility, with empathy. We're doing it with conviction. We're we're calling out things that are wrong and broken. We're not afraid to do that when they're broken. But Lord, we do it with with grace and humility. Lord, we try to help us to close distances between us and people across the aisle even in this church help us to reach out to not shun for Lord you had every opportunity to do do that to us people who had rebelled against you and yet you didn't just enter into our pain and chaos Lord you you took it upon yourself and so help us Lord to be this new humanity that you've called us to be Help us to bear your image with grace and with the fruit of your spirit. And Lord, we do pray again for the people of Ukraine, particularly the Christians there. We pray that you would gird them with your love. You would embolden them with the gospel. You would enable them to be a refuge in times of trouble. For that is who you are, Lord. May they be image bearers of a God like that.